Coal Shack's Loop Podcast, Season 1, Episode 1, Introducing Your Co-Hosts and Starting the Loop. Coal Shack, where do you think you're going? I'm going out. I can't stand I'm going to see what's around the loop. What's happening around here is a assembly column, not anything out of the loop. Coal Shack, come back here! Now that is news, Vincenzo. News! And we are a newspaper. We are supposed to print news, not suppress it. Chicago? All right. I gotta tell you, the last time I was in the loop, there was... Oh, hey, listen, boy. You know what we're gonna do? You and I'll sit down and have a long chat, okay? Sure. We'll rap about chai. I don't trust you, Kolchak. You double-cross your own fairy godmother for a story. Hello, and welcome to Kolchak's Loop Podcast, a fan podcast dedicated to Jeff Rice's infinitely loved by fans disrespected by police captains, openly yelled at, but secretly admired by his boss, intrepid old-school newspaper reporter Carl Kolshak. Masterfully interpreted for the small screen by a veteran no-nonsense actor, Darren McGavin. You may remember him as the foul-mouthed furnace-battling, fragile major award-winning dad in the holiday classic A Christmas Story. But many years before that movie... He co-crafted Jeff Rice's creation of one of the best truth-seeking monster hunters in media history. So with that in mind, welcome once again, everybody. My name is Robert. I am one half of your co-host team. And my name is Bradley, and I'm the other half. Uh, I've always wanted to co-host my own podcast, but found it a daunting task. Robert asked me to name some of the podcasts I listen to. I've listened to about 60-plus podcasts during, my, during the work week. They drop at different times. But a few of my favorites are Astonishing Legends, Ben Franklin's World, Beyond the Darkness, Common Sense with Dan Carlin, Entering the Fifth Dimension, Rewatch Podcast, Screw It, We're Just Going to Talk About the Beatles, Slow Burn, Stuff You Should Know, The Citizen's Guide to the Supreme Court, The Ron Burgundy Podcast, The Stranger Things Podcast, podcast and what a cartoon just to name a few i've co-hosted the stranger things podcast half a dozen times including an episode on jaws and on the poltergeist i've been a longtime fan of the twilight zone and listened to entering the fifth dimension from its beginning and have left listener feedback every week and then that is where i first heard robert co-hosting with podcast aficionado <laughs> and founder of golden spiral media daryl darnell who has been podcasting for well over a decade yeah, I, I tell you what, I will gladly admit that uh, before Daryl and I posted our um, very first Twilight Zone podcast, um, I heard Bradley contribute as a guest host on the Stranger, Stranger Things podcast. And, you know, I was blown away by how much Bradley knew, um, but also how invitingly he spoke about it. And I guess that was the Jaws episode. Um, I, I don't remember if that was the one or not. Um, I think I do remember hearing you say something about jumping the Bruce or something like that. Yeah, in, that in, was the Jaws episode. Yeah, in in reference to uh, the name they gave to the the Jaws shark. So, um, but yeah, I really wanted to um, just just point out that how impressed I was with Bradley, and you know, and I, I went straight to Daryl because we were trying to organize that podcast for um, entering the fifth dimension. And I just simply said, look, look, man, if you ever need somebody else to co-host that thing with you, you found it. Um, Bradley can be my stand-in, if not my replacement. So, you know, it was great to be able to connect with him. And um, and I think I was just simply um, asking some questions about the way that he did some of his audio feedback for um, entering the fifth dimension. And next thing I knew, I was asking him if he wanted to co-host this podcast with me. But the the funny thing is, I don't think you really knew anything about Cole Shack um, at that point, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, the about the closest experience I had to Cole Shack was uh, I I used to right out of high school I, when I went to college, I got a job as an English tutor, even though I wasn't an English major, uh, and I had an office along with uh, all the other professors, and it was sort of like a square little. Uh, sort of all the offices were in a square and all of the break room was in the middle and in, th in these glass doors. And every day I would go in early, you know, before I went into my office 
and I would just sort of talk to the different professors there. And there, and there was one professor there who, uh, his name was Rob Metcalf. He was a cheerleading coach, and he was somebody who I'd always try to go in, and I would talk to him and sort of pilfer his mind and sort of get all the, because he he was just a, a you know a, a fountain of all this literary knowledge and stuff. But he's also into pop culture stuff, and for some reason I had gotten into Dark Shadows. I'm a big '60s sort of. Uh, that's one of the things I love is the '60s culture, pop culture, just uh, polit- you know, politics, especially the music, which we'll get into, I'm sure, sometime down the line. Sure. Uh, but I I just started watching Dark Shadows, and me and him were talking about it, and he and we would talk about it every day there for a while. He had used to watch it when he was a kid, and uh, we'd just talk about him, you know, talk about different episodes, talk about its campiness, you know, because it was one of those shows that ran like. God, 900 episodes. I'm not sure. This is just off the top of my head, but it was literally every day for years. And they would just do one take, and it was sort of like if anything was good, if something fell in the background, you know, somebody flubbed a line, they would just start over. It's like, it's right there on screen, like, oh, this is just a daytime, you know, soap opera. Nobody really cares. So it was just sort of real. Uh, it was sort of meta in, in a way that it didn't mean to be. It was just sort of the trick of the you know it was just sort of the hand they were dealt is like hey just put something out fast quick doesn't necessarily have to be good but it did take off um and i saw some of his other movies you know uh i know that he did dead of night that had uh i think it's alicia cook jr it's the he was in the night stalker movie uh but he was also in that and we'll we'll talk about him later he was uh played a part in the uh night stalker movie and he also uh i know that uh Dan also did the Dra- the 1973 Dracula film, did, uh, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, the picture of Dorian Gray, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Turn of the Screw, the Henry James adaptation, uh, but just stuff like that. And that's really where I first sort of, it's sort of like I was right there on to Kolchak or Kolchak, but <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all are going to have to forgive me. Uh, just send all your hate mail to, we'll give you the address later. Just yeah call me out brother but uh you know I, it was sort of i danced all around it but i never hit on it uh, mm-hmm. so so then when i ask you do you want to do a coal shack podcast i mean I, I know you jumped right at it and said yes but um had but you really hadn't seen had you at least seen some clips of it or anything like that or I, the the extent of my knowledge was whatever you imparted on the twilight zone <laughs> podcast i hadn't seen images uh, I didn't even know that the dad from a Christmas from a Christmas story was even uh, right. played Kolchak until until I looked and I actually looked into. I think I even said I would before uh, before we we even you know I even looked at anything about it. But the reason I did that is because I feel like that would give an interesting dynamic. Whereas if you have yeah. two people who are if you have two people who know everything front and back about a show, sometimes you'll lose a dimension there and you won't get like the uh, I guess the questions and the and the banter, whereas like with with me, I'm going here completely blind, and I've purposely tried not to watch a lot and just watch to what we're at right now. I've only seen the first movie so far, uh, and I'm going to go in as blind as possible. So when I come in and my questions are genuine and it's not like something I got to try to manufacture. Right. Uh, and right, right, right. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm thrilled again that you're willing to take this uh, leap into this show and uh you know i'm i'm a huge fan of the show and um you know i I go back as far as you know when i actually got to see the tv movie when it came out now i watched it um from what i remember i was hiding you know underneath a uh you know a an end table by a couch um while my dad and my brothers had it on and, you know, that would be my position if I was scared and I was watching something. But I was like six years old when this when this movie first yeah. came out. So not exactly the kind of movie you want your six-year-old to watch. But uh, my dad loved those kind of movies. And, you know, there really wasn't, um, you know, extra TV sets or, um, you know, cable TV. I mean, this was this is what was on in the house. And this is what everybody kind of just sat around and watched if we were going to watch anything. So that was kind of my indoctrinization into it. But, um, and I'm still curious because I, I, I'm also uh, a big, you know, podcast listener and fan of a lot of podcasts. What, if of all those podcast episodes that you talked about, 
what are some of the ones that were probably your like one of your favorite episodes of those shows? Um, you know, those podcasts that you um, have listed. Were you able to think about that? Which which one of those had a really good episode for you, or were there just too many to kind of nail down one particular one? Well, there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to that, I, and it's just sort of like filters in and out, and I've listened to so many. But when something does connect, it's like you don't forget it. And I've been listening to this one podcast that I mentioned for four years now called Astonishing Legends, which is much in the vein of a, a Kolshak-esque, uh, you know, it's got all the myths and they talk about it, but they, they do it in a very logical way. Uh, but they've covered many topics from Skinwalker Ranch, the Nazi Bell, the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, you know, the James Dean crash and the Bet Sphere. Oh, okay. So they cover and, all those things. Yeah, just pretty much everything in between there. And they've covered a lot more than that because they've been going for years and years. Uh, but uh, it's really well researched. It's real time. You know, they don't really just like they'll have they'll have a few episodes, then they'll have a break to research, and they'll have a few episodes and have a break to research. Uh, but one of my favorite episode, one of the favorite series that they did, uh, that really got me hooked on podcasts in general, uh, was the it was about the Mothman of Point Pleasant, and it's just sort of there was all these weird events that were sort of focused on this one area that weren't. They they might have been related, but they weren't necessarily related, you know, like the the men in black that were sort of melting. And and, you know, you had uh, Indrid Cole who came down in the middle of the road and supposedly talked to the sky. And then you had the whole thing with the Mothman landing on the bridge before the the collapse of the bridge. You know, I mean, it's just it's just so many things that just added up and they broke it all down and went over it. And uh, I mean, it was just so fascinating to me. Um what about you? You, I mean, I know you listen to probably listen to podcasts longer than I have. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I I've listened to a bunch, but I didn't really get started um, listening to podcasts. You know, it's really only been, uh, and I know they haven't been around that long, but um, it's only been probably about the last ten years that I've been listening to podcasts. And even then, there were pretty select ones that I would listen to. My my technology that I had for, you know, quite a long time, I wasn't even listening to them on, you know, like a smartphone or something like that. I started off with something, I think it was called a Zoom, um, and it had the ability to actually um, play radio um, frequencies uh, for AM and FM radio, and it, you could actually record um, with it. It was actually quite a nice little um, device, and I, I would run with that. But I would use that, and down, it had no capability for you know for connecting to the internet. I would just simply um, put something on my computer and then upload it to my device. Yeah. This was about the size of um, some of the very first iPods, and um, and I got I would have gotten it uh, would have been probably two thousand. Um, nine is when I got mine and I remember I bought it at Target and it worked for a number of years and it was really good, but it took too much abuse, um, falling off of me when I would listen to it when I was riding my bike training for, um, triathlons or I was running and I got sweat all over it and, and all that kind of stuff. And I eventually, um, got an iPhone four. And that allowed me then to start doing more things than actually uploading them to my phone directly. And so I, but, but anyway, for, um, really the podcast for me, I kind of started with, um, this American life and, and honestly, it's one of my favorite episodes of all the podcasts I've ever listened to. And there's a whole bunch. I mean, if it's, you know, this American life or the fringe podcast or Dan Carlin's hardcore history, uh, the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Um, I love the you know History of English podcast and the History of Germany podcast and on and on and on and on. But that one episode that I that I listened to from This American Life was about um, things that go bump in the night. And I remember um, literally, again, being on my bike training. Uh, it was probably four in the morning. I was um, riding around this loop, uh, funny, Kolshak's <laughs> loop, but I was riding around this loop near a, a park that's nearby, and um, I was the only one out, and I had a pretty bright light so I could still see, and there was a little bit of light around the park, but um, the music was really haunting, 
and the the, the topic was just uh, presented in such a great way. But one of the first things they talked about was bed bugs, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, and what how they were infesting all of New York City and uh, people. You know what the bed bugs did to you and how you know horrific they were. And, you know, and, and that's, I know that's something that has happened. I've seen it in the hospital with patients um, that actually have bed bugs and you have to really, you know, get on trying to eliminate those types of things. But, um, uh, you know, those, those things are so creepy and you, you know, I was brought up and my mom would say things like, you know, good night, don't let the bed bugs bite. And or, oh, no, yeah, sleep, yeah. sleep tight, sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. And you never thought about that as a kid, you know, that they're bed bugs. I don't, I have no idea what they're talking about, but I, I would imagine that phrase came out of some sort of actual, you know, warning yeah. that people would give to everybody as they would, um, you know, be going to sleep. And, and that just brings me to kind of my other point is, you know, one of my other, favorite podcast is one of these uh, history of the English language podcasts. And I love as a uh, former English major, a very short lived English teacher. Um, now actually more of a, a science guy when it comes to the kind of work that I do in exercise science working for the hospital. But um, I still love uh, language and, and kind of the pursuit of where a word has begun, what the history of the word is, and, and how it's used today and that type of stuff. And in the history of English language podcasts, there's a, an episode where they talk about the Norse word for um, lightning and then how, and they always talk about these words being cognate with, you know, other types of words. But essentially mm-hmm. the, um, the descendants of that word and how the word for lightning, you know, when it comes to the Norse vocabulary is actually related to what we would now consider to be a small boat or a skiff. Um, and it all has to do with lightning striking a tree, um, splitting it in half. And the, the Norse then would think about that being sort of a knife cutting something. So all their words for cutting, building a boat, all the way down to, if you think about something that's called a shiv um, yeah. and, and a skiff, these are all related types of words that come from that. Now, where's that going to find us when it comes to Kolshak? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully not so random of tangents that, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go on. But there's a good chance that if you've um, ever heard uh, me talking on the uh, Entering the Fifth Dimension podcast or heard Bradley um, doing his, his comments, we will have trouble sticking the topic. And, and, but we don't really mind that too much. We'll, we'll try to ring it all back in, but I I really think that's the fun of, um, doing a podcast is, you know, going deep into, if it's just the, you know, the minutia of an episode, because that's what, you know, can really be fun about it. And, and realistically, let's, let's, let's be real about this. This, this TV show that we want to cover only lasted one season. And, you know, so you kind of have to go deep because there's, you know, once you're done with one season, you're done. But that's something else that Bradley and I actually have talked about. Bradley, you want to say a little bit about what we're thinking um, about when in, in terms of this, this particular podcast and possibly going beyond just the episodes um, with the with the show as, as we see them? Yeah. Um, well, of course, uh, Robert has actually some pretty uh some pretty heavy hitters lined up as far as special guests goes in terms of podcasts that i I don't think we're ready to divulge just yet uh we we may save that but if uh, hopefully everything works out if everything works out you know he may do 50 episodes who 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 knows but uh you know i'm i'm definitely excited for uh everything that we got going we're gonna we might uh one thing we've talked about is possibly reviewing different movies like Uh, We might do a Christmas story for Christmas this year. Who knows? You know, there's really uh, just so much that we could talk about in different relating projects. Maybe talk about Dark Shadows. I I pitched doing a Dark Shadows podcast. I'd love to do 900 episodes on that one. But uh, (laughs) but Rob, I am not signing up for that. No, Robert shot that one down pretty quick because I don't think you realize how many episodes there were. Because I said we could do a Dark Shadows podcast. You thought how many episodes are there? 
when I told you the number. <laughs> you should have seen the look on, on Robert's face when I told him that number. But uh, we're, we're going to try to – we don't want to stretch this thing out and make it make it seem like we're, you know, having all this filler. But we also don't want it to be this short little ride. We want to give you uh, the depth, I think, that the that, that series deserves, and we want to give, like, backstory and different um, elements and introduce you to things that we uh, feel, feel is not necessarily – a necessity, but will give you the per- the right understanding uh, to watch the series and give you a little supplemental material. Yeah, very well put. I mean, there there are um, at least two people right now who I've spoken to who have agreed to do some interviews with me, and uh, certainly um, both of them are um, currently, uh, you know, <laughs> I'd love to say in quotes, they're players, you know, in, in the coal shack world right now. And, and they kind of are because, you know, again, let's face it, the show is gone. And, you know, and I was thinking about this the other day, it's like almost we're, we're doing a podcast about Latin, you know, it's, it's a dead <laughs> language. Deadly. It still is rich. It has a lot of history. Um, it, it can be pretty exciting, but you know, that we're, we're still going to try to push on with it. But, you know, I, this is something I didn't put in my notes, Bradley, but uh, the, something else I was thinking about, I think, for an intro um, is, you know, one of these guests we have is going to be able to talk and at, at length when it comes to vampires and, mm-hmm. and all the history that we have about vampires. And, and, and you know, the, the Night Stalker show um, isn't just about vampires, the TV series. Of course, the first TV movie covers a vampire, and but the the Night Stalker show uh, really only has one vampire in it um, in all the episodes, but they have a whole bunch of other monsters, and that made me think maybe it's a question not just for me and you, Bradley, but even when we get into talking about having our Facebook fan site and and other things, is having some questions of the week. But what I'd like to ask you is, who is your favorite? monster um or at least your favorite class of monsters and is there a movie in which the, the those monsters or that monster appears um that is your favorite and if you need to think about that a little bit you can um do you, do you already have one that you can come up with you look like you might uh, i think one thing that uh you know i know everybody's going to let out the simultaneous groan when i say this but probably my favorite uh my favorite horror horror uh icon i guess has to be the zombie and one reason i think that is is not is not because of the zombies themselves but because the dynamics of the characters and my favorite horror film of all time i've said it multiple times is george a romero's night of the living dead and if you look at the the you know what happens when you know the hierarchy collapses the class system you know is done away with the rich and the poor are on equal footing you know what anarchy happens and how do people overcome and uh, overcome the situation and how do they, you know, go on? And I think that George A. Romero's trilogy of Night of Living Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead, you know, really exemplify that in different ways, you know, in different settings. Uh, and another movie, you know, you even have campy movies like uh, Return of the Living Dead, things like that. And vampires, in a way, could be. Uh, zombie-esque but they're not really zombies and i'm sure we'll get into that discussion later but it's the fear of the unknown and the fear of the undead because zombies aren't really this outside entity they aren't the you know the aliens from outer space or you know these giant ants or the blob or anything they are us that we're just one step away from becoming zombies and i think that's what makes it so real i guess Hmm. i really like that um it's it's funny uh, not funny, but um, it's almost fitting that uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, not just within this genre, but, uh, you know, horror genre, but one of my favorite movies of all time is actually Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and it is because of, um, you know, that character, Shaun, being portrayed really as a zombie-like you know, figure who is just stuck in the kind of job that he's doing, stuck in his life, stuck with his friend, and he really isn't living. And and he really kind of represents 
um, a person who is kind of, you know, uh, quote unquote dead or, or just partially animated. And even the first scene when he gets up and, you know, uh, gets up from his sleep and kind of walks with an odd walk and is mm-hmm. groaning, um, you know, really reminds you of someone who's like a zombie. And of course we see other images of that multiple times. So that, that movie actually has always been, uh, one of my favorite movies and I can't get away from it. I think I know why I like it, but as a kid, um, my favorite, um, monster to dress up for, for Halloween. And it was partly cause I got to do the makeup for it, but was the werewolf. And, um, I've always been a big fan of that type of, uh, character, uh, monster, let's say. And I think the, the reason is, is that the, the werewolf is kind of like you're saying it, it has a very strong connection to humanity. Um, you know, the werewolf is somebody who for the majority of that particular person's life is, is a man. Um, but mm-hmm. then he's caught in this, you know, uh, transformation that he has to make. And, um, I think it's, it's interesting to me that one of my favorite, you know, vampire characters, cause I was a big, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan and and Angel also to that extent is Angel's backstory really borrows from the story of the werewolf. Ironically, uh, the Night Stalker movie and much of the series, it's not really about the monsters. You know, the main character is Kolshak. That's what the story is about. It's about this human who you know, against all odds with no superpowers to him other than being, you know, a very tenacious um, person who is in most parts fearless. Um, It's about him battling against these uh, monsters. But also, um, just like you say, when you talk about the zombies and society, you know, being affected by the, the collapse of the world and, you know, having this really dystopian um, future and whatever you want to call it, um, you know, what Carl battles constantly in this first episode, and I won't give away to Bradley what happens in all the others, but um, he's constantly battling the, the city and the government officials, you know, in this first episode. And, um, you know, they, they don't want to hear that his theory is that it might be this crazy killer and, and they don't want to upset the people in the city, um, the, the guests, because it's Las Vegas and, and, um, the money that, you know, they'll lose because of everybody getting scared, you know, they're, they're too afraid to, uh, to put the word out. So he has to battle, not just the monster, but he has to battle the system. And, and really that is you know, one of the greatest human failings is that in, in the, in the sight of some obvious choices of what we have to do to save ourselves, you know, the system that we have, um, tends to corrupt us. And in this case, I think that's what, you know, author Jeff Rice, um, a veteran, uh, newspaper reporter, and, and also someone who very connected to the, the social unrest of the late sixties and the early seventies, I think that's what he was trying to do when he wrote the Kolshak character. Um, so, boy, I really went around and around on that one, didn't I? Woo! Woo! Take a break. Take a breather. Bradley, any comments? Back to you. <laughs> uh, Jeff Ross, uh, what, what, do you know what year he was born? Uh, no, I do not. I would assume he was probably born somewhere in the 40s. Okay. Yeah, uh, so Jeff Ross was born in 1944. So I, I was just sort of thinking one of the one of the th- one of the things that I um, I guess one of the things that I'm interested in is I always loved uh, Tales from the Crypt. I always loved that. You know, like the I love anthology horror, and as we'll t- we'll talk about we'll talk a good bit about anthology horror when we talk about the cast of the Night Stalker because you know there's a lot of anthology horror in the 60s and 70s and stuff. But uh, one of the one of the things you know, Tales from the Crypt actually came from EC Comics, which is also an inspiration for George A. Romero. And I'm wondering if Jeff Ross had any 
you know, because they that EC Comics published like all of these sort of gory horror uh, comics, and I've read a lot of the reprints simply because I found I find them fi- found I find them fascinating of how you know this is the fifties and stuff, and that would have been right you know when Jeff Ross was you know 10, 12, however, you know, whatever age. And I wonder if he read those, if he ever got those, you know, uh, and maybe that was an influence on him. I'm not sure. I think these are, these are questions we're going to put, um, in the, not the back burner. We'll put them in the forefront of the questions we'll want to ask to Uh, cause you know, Mark, um, is, is, uh, not just a coal shack aficionado. He is the person who was, um, you know, given the the ability to write the very first sequel to all the Cole Shack stories, and it was an actual novel in its own right, where now um, a lot of the ones, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, it's probably a good thing, are more written as graphic novels. And uh, But Mark was able to do that, and he was able to do that with Jeff Rice's uh, permission. And from what mm-hmm. I remember in some of Mark's interviews, he has said that Jeff decided that he would um, continue to let Mark interview him about his his interaction and you know in, in creating Kolshak, but he actually made typewritten responses to everything, and I think mm-hmm. Mark may have actually published those at some point, or Jeff did. I'm not certain. So there's some definitely some background um, about those things, but I think you're right, Bradley, that so much of what um, you know these authors who let's say the the writers that are going to be writing episodes on the show later and Jeff and certainly Richard Matheson who you know was the person who adapted Jeff Rice's um, original work so it could be seen on the screen um, you know all these guys were influenced by those comics of old and it would be interesting to hear those guys say you know who were the people who influenced them the most yeah um, but but my gosh, I mean, you look at, you know, Matheson and, you know, he's the person who wrote I Am Legend. So yeah. not not yeah. only did he write, you know, 20,000 Nightmare at 20,000 Feet for the Twilight Zone, but he wrote I Am Legend. And have you seen the the version of that with um, Charlton Heston, the, the original movie of that? Yeah. Uh, funny enough, I, I've seen that version, but I haven't seen the newer version with Will Smith. Really? The, Man, I'm... The, 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 I tell you what, the one with Will Smith stands up. Does it? It's, it's, so it's I need very, to... very good. Very good. Yeah, I, I like I like it quite a bit. And I, I had seen the first one um, prior to seeing the one with Will Smith. And um, it's, 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 in some cases, it's a little unrecognizable. Um... I think, uh, I think you know, from what I understand, the one with Heston is much truer to the script um, mm-hmm. of what uh, Matheson wrote. But uh, I think that the one that Will Smith does is very well done. Um, I, I think it stands on its own. Um, the the characters in there, um, it's it's sometimes you wonder are they vampires are they zombies um and really you kind of think the same thing with um i think the one that uh, the heston did is i had trouble deciding you know what are these people because i had not read the book um mm-hmm. before um seeing seeing the movie so um yeah anyway yeah i think it's um i, I think it's worth it give it give it a shot there's there's a question we can throw out as like our vampire question of the week. You know, what do people think of who, who had the best version of I am legend? That's, that is a good one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause you know, I know that Romero, George Romero, going back to him, uh, he read, he got a lot of his influence from EC comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, and he did his own anthology series in the, you know, in the eighties called, uh, tales from the dark side that I love, that I would love to talk about one day. Um, but, uh, how about we give him a preview of, of the episode we got coming up? Uh, just a little teaser of what we, not not anything in particular, but what we're going to be talking about. All right, full disclosure, guys. We decided that we would actually do some things on our Cole Shacks Loop Facebook site where we would ask listeners to put together some, their ideas of some Cole Shack quotes that will serve as segment audio bumpers for us 
um, that we can play to announce our various special segments in the podcast. Um, so we'll cover things like the news, cast and crew, science, monsters, myths. Uh, we got one segment for Bradley's top five movie links. We got interviews that Cole Shack does, episode recaps, episode ratings, episode discussion conspiracies, history and social environment, listener feedback, and other categories that you may think of that are things you'd like us to cover. What we've done is to pull a lot of that audio, put it on this introductory podcast, and I'm going to play a lot of those categories for you right now. I'm not going to go into what every single one is and the order and why we did things. We can get a little more discussion about that eventually, but I think it'll be fun to play those and have you have a, a preview of a lot of the bumpers that we're going to do. So you can hear some of those good uh, Cole Shack quotes. Cole Shack, where do you think you're going? I'm going out. I can't stand up. I'm going to on the loop. What's happening around here is a resembling column, not anything out of the loop. Cole Shack, come back here! After my enlightening conversation with the beautiful Helen Surtees, I ran a check through tax records and business licenses. The Max Match dating service was almost brand spanking new. No one knew where it came from or what other branches it had. It seemed to me that such mysterious origins warranted what we in the press call the midnight interview. Now that is news, Vincenzo. News. And we are a news paper. We are supposed to print news, not suppress it. That is going to be, and that's where the zombie is going to be. And that's where I'm going to be. Wait for me! Go! I'm coming! Get back, get back! I'm ready for anything! Quill and I weren't the only ones with watches that didn't work. Everyone that had been at Radine Electronics had the same problem. Question, what would stop 17 wristwatches at exactly the same time? Answer, an electromagnetic field so strong it might swing a compass needle off true north to the final truth. See this? This is a voodoo shrine. Now it's from a shrine just like this that Francois Edmonds, dead man, rotted cadaver, and zombie receives his instructions to kill. Now his victims that he is to kill are picked out by having their names written in blood by a papaloas, a mamaloas, a mamaloas, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You ought to commit this to memory. You ought to really bone up on this, Captain, especially the part on how to kill a zombie. The point is that we are suppressing news. We are withholding information. Everybody in town knows what's going on. The police, the DA, the coroner's office. Every reporter on every newspaper in Las Vegas knows what's going on. The only people who don't know are the people. There's a contagious psychosis. Oh, gee. That's my theory, and I've checked it out with a few psychiatrists. There's a definite pattern to the killings. They seem to come in bunches. Hookers? Mostly. Some semi-pros. There was an Italian who specialized in flower girls. No, 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 this is a horrible mistake. No, you see, you, you're thinking of my brother, Sidney Kolshak. He writes a society column. No, that, you, you know, that's a mistake. No, that's my brother, uh, Marshall Kolshak. Yeah, he's the one with the big mouth. We both saw him put into his grave. We saw the casket lowered into the grave. We didn't see if Edmonds was in it. Now, we think the body was exhumed by some cult. However, I didn't want to speculate as to the purpose. After all, these are Haitians. They're people from a foreign country. Yeah, that's right, especially Francois Edmonds. He, sir, is from hell itself. How's it going? Have you read these? Have you ever read any of these letters? Sure I have. Dear Emily, when a person has been doing something rather personal with another person, and she finds out the same thing has been going on with other persons, many of whom are personal friends or related, what is a person to do? Sure, you got a few screwballs, but by and large, they're mostly sincere people. It's Kolchak. What's a Kolchak? He's a reporter. That's right, Mrs. Pisato. Uh, reporter, INS. What's an INS? Independent News Servicer, founded in 1904 by Enrico Peluzzi. I, I think, well, I, I'm sure that you must have met my managing editor, Antonio Vincenzo, at a meeting of the uh, Sons of Garibaldi. I doubt that could happen, but a team of scientists recently grew wheat. 
seeds that were found in the pyramids of Egypt. Those seeds were 4,000 years old. 4,000 years old. How many times do I have to tell you, Kolchak? This is not your story. Why do you behave like a four-year-old? I know it's not my story, Tony. Then what are you doing with this rot? Helping up Dyke. Well, he doesn't need any help. He's not helpless. No, I, I'm doing research for him. Well, let him do his own research. Well, he can't. He's a bibliophiliac. Huh? He, he's uh, persona non grata on the library. He's what? Yeah, yeah. You see, he, he takes books out. He's got half the books of the library out, and they're all overdue. As a matter of fact, they've got a warrant out for his arrest. Well, that's not like Ron. Oh, I know, I know. I was terribly disturbed about him. I don't know. It must be some kind of a deep-seated illness, a compulsion of sorts, I guess. Bibliophiliac. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't catch your name. Carl Kolchak. Is that with a C or a K? Both. Hi. This is Homo erectus. Uh -huh. And his colleague here is Australopithecus. Uh -huh. You see, early men, both of them, neither had 16 double E feet. <laughs> I know that one. I work for him. Yeah. guess it was almost a little bit too long of all the different sound clips that we selected and uh, Bradley's going to talk about the uh, cast and crew and uh, what he did for that and uh, really went in detail so this is going to be a fun listen so we're going to pick back up in the episode talking about the cast and crew and uh, Bradley there's some things in there that you wanted to to mention in particular I think there's some things about the cast that you're really excited about talking about yeah, um, I, I, a, a probably 30, what should have been a 30 minute project turned into like a three hour <laughs> marathon of me just certain, like going down the rabbit hole of IMDB. Oh, he played in this. Oh, he played in that. Like I've, I've made a list of who from each episode of like so far from with the cast, I've got, oh, these guys were on the twilight zone. So I've got their episodes of the twilight zone. I've got a list of people who are on the twilight zone and what episodes, uh, but I basically, you know, I sort of have what, uh, I guess, hit movies they were in, what shows they were in. And in doing so, I found a lot of, uh, I guess, circular, sort of like this. This is sort of the end of the gold. A lot of them were in the end of the golden age of, I guess, television, which was, you know, from the 20s to the to the late 50s, like 59, uh, into the, you know, the silver age, where you have sort of uh, these studios where, they'll get anybody as extras and, you know, it's the same people are in the same movies and the same shows. And there's just a lot of circular things here where people are just, Hey, he's in that. He's in all this. Oh, she's in all this. Oh, he's in all this too. And it's just like a big, just smorgasbord of things. Like I think every single person in the first movie was on. I love Lucy at some point or another, but, um, that's one of the things I tried to do. And I tried to make it interesting and, uh, I added a little bit to the to the history, and I also have a spot for my uh, my five uh, vampire movie recommendations or whatever creature of the week it is. I'm going to say, hey, here's my five movie recommendations that you need to go check out just to give you a different take on this creature or whatever the you know the monster of the week who, is. Or who? Let's let's get into that for half a second. Who is your favorite slash? And maybe they're not one and the same, but who, and you don't have to go into tons of detail, but who is your favorite, um, movie vampire? <sighs> favorite movie vampire. Hmm. Uh, you know, I think, uh, who was, it? let's see. Hold on. Let me give me you, one second. You keep thinking about it because yeah mine i i, I want to get the title of this correct but the vampires who are in 30 days of night 
Uh, I believe that's the title of it. I think those are some of the scariest vampires initially. The scenes that they show with those guys crawling kind of underneath the houses that are built up on stilts. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess there's some, I don't understand why that would have to be that way. I guess maybe if they get into the snow, they'd be too cold. I don't, I don't know what, what that whole structure is. Anybody from Alaska listening to this? Oh, I can ask uh, Marika Sila about that. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. She'll want to tell us. Um, but um, so I, I think those, those particular vampires to me, um, were by far some of the the scariest ones that I'd ever seen. Now, you know, it's not going to be much of a vampire movie unless the humans are able to win and defeat the vampires. So, you know, there's there's that side of it all um, that you know they're they're not going to be super invincible. But um, yeah, those guys to me tend to be like if if I would, uh, and I've tried to do this a little bit right you know, my favorite, I write my own sort of vampire movie. I would take some of the things from those guys and try to incorporate those into my vampire. Yeah. Um, so, uh, who Shrek, Max Shrek was nose for, and Nosferatu is Count right. Orlock. Right. Which, you know, as a silent film, that's amazing. Of course, Bella Lugosi, um, as far as mine's probably more unorthodox. I'm just trying to think of, as far as the best characterization of a vampire, uh, and this is in, and this is one of the films in the five recommendations, is a uh, a little known film called Blood for Dracula, that uh, Udo Kier mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. is that is my German pronunciation correct there? Sir? That's that's the way that I would say it, and I believe that's the way that I've heard it said. Um, he's more sympathetic, I suppose, uh, versus I guess you see most of it from his perspective. Um, but I mean, of course, you know, I've, I've mentioned the others, uh, what was the, the, let's see, the 73 film, uh, uh, Palance, was he, uh, he, Jack Palance played, yeah. um, yeah, Jack Palance played a vampire. Um, he was quite good in it. And, um, you know, honestly, if I'd probably say my favorite, um, vampire based film, um, this still kind of goes back to, again, me being a kid. Um, but actually, Salem's Lot, I thought, Salem, was yeah, really yeah. good. And, and and part of that was because it had, you know, um, David Soul from Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> he was in it. And and there was a, the, the young boy who's in that starred in a TV show called James at 15. And I don't know if the titles changed as the seasons went on. He was James at 16, James at 17. I don't remember for sure. But um, those two guys, and again, it was just, it was very, you know, Kolshak-esque. And yeah. they, they were not superheroes. They were not even Van Helsing, who had all this, you know, incredible knowledge about the vampires. They were just two dudes trying to save their town, you know, and save themselves. And I thought that was an especially scary um, show. So anyway, those, those, you know, that's kind of probably one of my favorite TV shows or even shows about vampires. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the Hammer film, you know, the Hammer films that they released, uh, uh, what, uh, the 58 Hammer film, the Dracula film, uh, he was, the guy was in Star Wars. He's a famous actor. Uh, Mark Hamill? No, uh, uh, Christopher Wars. Lee. Christopher Lee. Oh, sure. He was in Star. Lee was in Star yeah. Wars. He's in the, those. He was oh, in the Count Duco. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't well, recognize the, those films at all. The, the first movie I ever saw in theaters was Episode One. Uh, but the, that is a shame. But, but the, no, but well, I'd already seen the original films though. I I had them on VHS. The first nightmare I remember having was a Chewbacca. I don't know why. I don't know why. But Christopher Lee did a good job as Dracula in the, in the Hammer film, the '58 yes. film. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but and, and I've got a, I've got probably a few. I got four more movies. I, I named one of them here, but the number one movie, uh, something I didn't name, that I'll save for the next episode for right. people to hang around for. Right, right. And you know, um, you know, obviously, the um, you know, Dwidziak makes a comment, and he's not the first one to say this. 
and but I'll still give him some some credit for it because as I was listening to, you know, multiple uh, interviews that he that he has had and lessons he's taught and have been filmed for YouTube, um, you know, the vampire legend is able to go on and on and on. It has multiple. Um, what do you want to call it? I mean, just multiple versions, for lack of a better um, terminology for it. And so you've got the True Blood series. And here you've got, you know, some vampires that have soul-like qualities. And, mm-hmm. you know, some are seemingly good, some are bad. Um, some even have redemptive qualities. Um, they they have vampires there that they have traced back to. And I've seen some of your notes of the, you know, the... the um, the female Lilith and, and, and her history, um, which is still kind of ironic that, um, there was that, that women's, uh, rock tour called Lilith fair. <laughs> it actually was the first concert my wife and I went to together was a, Lilith, oh, what, really? a Lilith fair concert. Oh yeah. I love the Indigo girls and, and all those other bands and that Natalie merchant and, um, yeah. So the, it, yeah, I, I didn't mind that at all. That was a really cool experience seeing those bands. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's so many other versions of a vampire. It has so many legs, you know, that it can continue to be reinterpreted, reshown over and over. And, and I'll let Mark talk about that again at some point. Yeah. Mark's the guy that I want to interview everybody. And he has, he yes. has said he'll do it. Um, I, we, I just have to get off the, uh, you know, proverbial pot and, and get our, get our act together. Bradley's got his act together completely. This is more me holding anything back than, than it's going to be. But Mark, Mark has agreed to let us interview him and that's going to be an amazing time. And we'll probably have to have part one through 60 <laughs> for, <laughs> for Mark and all the information that he can share with us. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll use whatever we can of him to help us. But um, anyway, so yeah, we, we really want to, you know, make this a show where we talk about our um, perspectives, uh, but we really hope too that we can have some listener involvement. And um, Bradley has done a great job setting up some social media accounts and we'll have those available to you guys. Um, Bradley, you want to talk a little bit about some of those accounts that we've got? You don't, I don't think you have to name them necessarily yet unless we've got those for you to name. Um, we can bring that information out again some other time. But what, what have you been able to put together for the social media? Yeah, uh, everybody out there, you can stay in the loop as well uh, by following us on all of our social media platforms. I've actually got us uh, – you can follow us on Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter at Colchak's Loop. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Kolchak's Loop. And if that don't work, you can just search under groups and search for Kolchak's Loop and you'll find us. Uh, you can also search for our channel on YouTube by searching for Kolchak's Loop. Uh, we don't have any videos posted yet, but hopefully we'll get some, maybe uh, if we can figure it out, maybe some watch-alongs or some other content. We might upload a couple minutes of videos to give you all a taste of how our recording process goes. just depends on what you know what we can get up there. And you can always send us your feedback at Loop at gmail.com or you can always message us through the Facebook app. Okay, well, this has really been fun, Bradley, and we appreciate everybody selecting us to listen to for your Night Stalker fix. We will be with you once again to discuss everything Shack as we cover the first TV movie, The Night Stalker. And for all things Shack, you can find us inside the loop.